Welcome to another episode of our SDBC podcast. Today we're going to talk about tech and all the implications of tech and the benefits and pros and cons and everything to do with the world of technology. And Paul and I are joined by two special guests from our church family today. Our first guest is Christian Van Eden. So Christian, would you just tell us a little bit about what you do for work, how your family ministers here at SDBC, and just a little bit of your interaction with tech? Hi, Mary. Hi, Paul. Hi, Phil. Um, Yeah, Christian here. I got... I've been attending South Delta for about five, six years now, um, recently volunteering in the tech team, helping out Richard Staples and the team with the live stream audio that we've recently started at the church here. Um, and my, I, for a day-to-day job, I work as, in logistics, so um, that's moving freight and goods and so forth around the world, and uh, I'm responsible for digital architecture at the company. So meaning that as now you're booking things online and ordering things online and how do these companies interact online. So it's a lot of day-to-day like using technology to speed up an industry that's been around forever. So, yeah. Yeah, and you've done sound before and tech before at a previous church as well. And Correct. I, I believe you were trained as an engineer. Is that? Yeah, so I come from like, I, was, I did computer engineering at UBC way back before and then but yeah so i always had a love for for technology specifically you know computers and you know trying to develop and and bring that to people always took a role as well of trying to train people in technology a lot of times it's people who aren't used to using computers even right and they have to now shift over to using computers and and doing their things in new different ways so always have that kind of pushback from people okay well what is technology good for so Mm -hmm. and trying to explain to them and onboard them and train them inside of the technology yeah so Mm -hmm. fruit of the spirit of patience is very important (laughs) for you (laughs) role there i'm assuming yeah Absolutely. Well, thank you. And our second guest is Phil Grierson, who also happens to be my husband. Um, But would you just answer those same questions for us? Just let us know what you do, your interaction with tech. Yeah. So, uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me back again. Clearly, I didn't bomb the first time I was on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I've always uh, been, I guess, what I would call a tech enthusiast. I, at one point, thought I would have a career in tech, and I didn't end up doing that, but uh, I work for Coca-Cola in quality control, so I work most of my day in a lab. Um, but yeah, I think I spend a lot of time as a hobby just like researching tech and reading about it and all the kind of new things that are up and coming, and it's just sort of a general interest of mine. I'm not a I'm not a tech professional like Christian or anything, but... But you watch tech YouTube stuff. Yes. That's what, YouTube, that's what we need to know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> lots of And I also occasionally do. Yes. Yeah, so every every so often I rope Mary into, into <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. So to launch us in, I just want to ask you guys what you're most excited for in the tech world right now. So um, Paul, actually, you haven't talked a ton yet. Why don't you start us off telling us what you're excited about? Oh, there's so much. <laughs> no, I mean... I, I love tech. I appreciate things that I, I'm not really good with hands. I'm not like um, Jason, my colleague, um, worship director at our church or worship pastor at our church. He's good with his hands. He can build stuff. I'm not. So I really appreciate other people who are really good at making things and making things work really efficiently and helping people with their livelihood. And I love that. So I love everything about tech that helps people um, have better experiences, relationships, like whatever helps us, I think is really cool. 
um, and we'll talk more detail about it later. But like I have my own hobbies of photography and videography. So the technology that's advanced, even in the last 20 years in that field is is somewhat really just amazing really um, and opens up really cool opportunities even for things like our church during the mm -hmm. pandemic so there and then music technology like the, all the streaming stuff but also speakers and a lot of stuff and and even uh, as a music producer as a hobbyist producer before I used to have these like the, the day I found out this technology called Melodyne <laughs> years ago where you can kind of if you sing off key, you can kind of bring it mm. back on key just by using a computer <laughs> software. That just blew my mind away when I first discovered it. So I love technology in all of my hobby areas. Obviously, I love reading, so ebooks and tutorials. I I'm really fascinated by things like Masterclass, uh, Right Now Media for the mm -hmm. Christian context, and then Skillshare, uh, just YouTube like yourself, Phil. I love mm -hmm. learning about new tech or learning about new things or even learning about like history using interactive technology like Bible Project does and things like that. I think annotation devices have really improved in the last decade or so. So it's really as an educator and as a pastor, I'm really excited about even technology in the education field. So there's just mm -hmm. so much that I'm excited about. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Who wants to go next? Phil, what about you? Tell us what you're excited about. Um, I think the current thing I'm most excited about is uh, electric vehicles and uh, just mm -hmm. seeing how the the price especially is coming down on electric cars and how it's becoming much more promising as a next chapter in sort of human transportation, hmm. um, which I think is a really, uh, it's a big problem that we need to solve. So it's really exciting to see, see how uh, things are moving in that space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know we were coming out of London drugs the other day and we saw an electric motorcycle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. And what about you? Yeah, I mean, beyond sort of the personal electronics and things that we see every day, right? I mean, from a business side, you know, a lot of times now sustainability is a huge yes. topic, mm -hmm. right? Especially like for me, I'm logistics, you know, ships and planes and all these things. And yeah, it's really exciting to see how many ways they're coming up with to make things more sustainable and just ideas out of, out, out of the box, you know, of trying to help our environment. I mean, this is a big concern for everybody. And, you know, every day you hear TED Talks or you hear ideas coming from different places where they're using different kind of fuels or they're coming up with a new chemical that you know, is going to improve batteries like in electric cars, like yep. you said, Phil. And so those things are super exciting. I still like the the basic science stuff, too. Right. Like, you, you, you know, whether it's space travel or things that are also now becoming mm -hmm. more commoditized. Right. And, mm -hmm. you know, watching those kinds of things with my kids when they send rockets up into space. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, just following the James Webb telescope recently has been like, <laughs> yeah. this is such a huge achievement, right? And I think part of, I mean, the things are linked together as well, because you said photography improved, right? So every time like SpaceX launches a rocket, there's a camera sitting right on the rocket and yeah. they can record yeah. it in the middle of the night and it's out on a, on a drop ship in the middle of the ocean and we can see it live stream over YouTube. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. these incredible. things... You know, all working together, the technology kind of moving us forward is uh, is definitely something to be excited about. Yeah, and I love how you said basic science like space travel. <laughs> it's been yeah. around for a while. I know. It's, I know. Been, it's been over 50 years since we landed on the moon. Right? Basic. <laughs> awesome. Um, so 
Yeah, for me, I would say kind of similar to Paul, just the challenge and the learning of everything new. Because for me, even, yeah, simple things like uh, the programs I use or the space devices. Space travel. Yeah, <laughs> not space travel. <laughs> or the devices that I use, but just like following the updates and following how everything is being improved and everything is evolving and learning and the challenges that go along with that. I mean, yeah, even just like I, I learned this with my job this year, Zoom. Learned a new platform. And then every like five days, it's updated with new little things. And now you can vote on this and do this and it's 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 amazing how fast paced it is and how many opportunities there are for learning um and it's just all right at our fingertips it's incredible Mm -hmm. um but with that with all this new and exciting and challenge often comes concerns and questions and doubts and fears so let's just dive into that a little bit so many different places we can take this conversation but let's just talk about some of the concerns maybe some misconceptions and even concerns around like christian and paul you're both fathers have two young kids Mm -hmm. growing up in this age what are some concerns that you have for kids for that generation with all of this access at their fingertips um yeah Go for it. Christian, do you want to go first? Big question. <laughs> Big question, yeah. Um, yeah, I, th- I mean, there's a lot of, like, these things are pretty well known, right? Like, in each one of these, te- with every technology that comes out about, it doesn't matter how altruistic you are in that intent for the technology, inevitably gets bent by, you know, different people using it in kind of nefarious ways, right? And so, yeah, ethically, right, we talk a lot about privacy, Right. Mm-hmm. So as as we have more technology and the technologies are collecting information about ourselves, you know, you have the, the health monitor that helps you every day to lose weight or reminds you to go for a run or exercise and so forth. But all of that information can go somewhere where people can actually use it, you know, for not such good purposes. Right. To track you, to sell you things, to promote to you, you know, to try and influence you. Um, so a lot of these things are kind of that double edged sword. Right, technology is great, but how do we limit some of those things and put barriers in place and have, you know, the governing bodies and not the corporations who kind of determine this not for profit, but actually like look out for, you know, where this could be beneficial, but trying to limit the amount um, of things that they have. So ethically, I think definitely it's it's a lot. And you also said you brought up the interesting point, Mary, about sort of just practically technology, mm-hmm. like learning, keeping up. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you add new features. We talk about new features and software and you know capabilities and all these kinds of things, which are great. But at the same time, it's like if you're not that person who's always reading the latest article, looking, mm-hmm. watching the YouTube video on it, it it's a challenge. Right. And mm-hmm. and how do people kind of come up with the right way to use these software? How do we roll that out? And sometimes you even get to the point where, you know, take online banking. They want you to go online. It's mm-hmm. cheaper for the company. So how you leave out a huge segment of the society who is not there, you know, who are not on the Internet but still need those kinds of services. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of different considerations in technology mm-hmm. that, we, that we have around, right? So, yeah, that's kind of the start of it, right? Yeah, I think, I mean, as people who love tech, I think we can still acknowledge there are some serious and, and concerns that we need to think through. Right. Not not suggesting that, hey, we got to, you know, stop with the technological advancements, but let's sometimes pause and think about, OK, how do we make sure that there's equity, there's, um, you know, there's um, ethical uh, ways to move forward and technological uh, technological advancements. Uh, one of the things I realized was uh, a lot of people who know me know that I'm horrible with directions. I have a very <laughs> bad sense of directions. So um, Google Maps is like a it's really important in my life right now. And thankfully, um, a lot of cars, my car doesn't have it because I drive a currently at least I drive an older model of a car. 
But a lot of newer cars have like Apple CarPlay or Android Auto, which helps you connect your phone so that you don't have to be touching your phone, which mm -hmm. is illegal in Canada, at least, or in our province, at least. Um, so that it actually displays it on your device or on your car's screen. Or even better, I, I, I'm a, also a car guy, like I love cars. And a lot of the newer cars, I see that they show it on your um, HUD or head-up display, hmm. right? So that it's mm -hmm. actually showing on your windscreen kind of. And it shows you an augmented reality version of the map. So I have so many moments where I'm like, I'm not sure if the navigation is telling me to turn off on this exit or that exit because it's so close together mm -hmm. that when it says... Um, turn right or exit on this. I'm like, okay, I, I have to second guess myself and I'm so tempted to look at my cell phone, right? Mm -hmm. And technically you're not supposed to be doing that because it's distracted driving. So in that sense, augmented reality could really help because it actually shows arrows on your screen. This is the highway I'm talking about. Turn off of here. This is the exit or that's the turn. So it could be a really cool aid for safety, but also augmented reality or virtual reality um, one of the most um, prominent industries that's taking advantage of this technology right now is the porn industry, right? Hmm. So like you said, Christian, like technology can be really helpful for society, really helpful for safety and convenience and things like that. But also because we, we believe we live in a sin-marred world, it means that there are people who are going to use these for sinful purposes. Um, inevitably, we are going to see the brokenness of our world display itself through the very same technologies that also could be very helpful and useful. So I think there are definitely things that we need to be concerned about and think through really well before we um, move forward. Not not before we move, maybe, but as we move forward with some of these new technologies, there's mm -hmm. always concerns along with mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah, I think even for the basics of like mapping and stuff, right, you had, you know, you have that whole idea of, okay, you have a map software that you're using, but that software is connected to the internet mm -hmm. and every movement where you go is being tracked, tracked yeah. right? And, you know, they're tracking, okay, this is my habits, which, which mm -hmm. where am I driving, mm -hmm. you know? And that's all great and, and fine. You can kind of argue that away, okay, it's helping me, but the day does come where if they want to direct you in a certain direction, they might tell you, quote unquote, the wrong direction yeah. or the direction that they want you to go yeah. into and not mm -hmm. the one that you want, right? So again, yeah, that's a, that thin line between, okay, it's being helpful, but how can it actually be used for other yes. purposes, right? Yeah. yeah, you always have to think about when whenever a tech is free and you wonder like, what is the product that like is actually being sold here? Usually you are the product. Yes. The, yes. the company is using your data and that's what they are actually looking, like going for. And who know, like obviously it's it would be a, I'm sure it would be an uproar. But what if Google Maps one day starts redirecting me by McDonald's because McDonald's is paying yeah. them to, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. this. I think that's similar to social media as well, right? Like mm -hmm. social media, um, it is free to use Instagram, Twitter, and you know Twitch and all this stuff. But then it ends up being yeah, we are the product because advertisers want the platform, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. users become the product and then the advertisers become the client to a certain extent. And I think those, you know, there's documentaries like Social Dilemma and others that talk about it more openly, but a lot of people I think don't recognize the business side of this. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and, you know, people don't work hard hours to just allow us to, you know, click a like button. Mm -hmm. um, there is a monetization model at the end of the day for a lot of these businesses, right? So I think not just to be skeptical about everything, but I think critical thinking is definitely required. And there are some, I think, what I would like to think are unintended um, negative effects of things like social media and technology that allows you to really stay connected. Like FaceTime is great, especially during COVID. Zoom is great. Mm -hmm. But sometimes these social platforms could also act as an um, aggravator for mental health. 
right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and that's pretty well documented now. But I mean, I remember even like ten years ago, there's research being done and people kind of raising uh, the alarm a little bit. But most people are like, oh, it's not a big deal. And now we're seeing um, teenagers, preteens, like really young people. Um, this is really taking a toll. Um, and depression and anxiety has been hugely Im- impacted by some of these uh, platforms. So mm-hmm. I think there has to be at some level some concerns about the mental health of just everyone involved in these platforms. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And that's where I wanted to ask you guys, especially as parents, kind of how you think through this as parents, because you're not only thinking about it for yourself, how it's going to impact you and your mental health, but as, you know, guardians to minors, like having to think through it on their behalf. And it makes me think, because Phil and I don't have kids yet, but years ago I babysat this three-year-old who his language was really strong and he knew the YouTube app Mm -hmm. and he knew how to how to write Mickey Mouse. And so his parents talked to me about how, like, I was not supposed to give him his iPad when he was alone because he can now just, like, freely search YouTube for anything because he knows how to spell and he knows what the app looks like. So, um, yeah, I guess my question for you guys would be, how do you even <laughs> approach this with your spouse? How do you think through, you know, how much Nathan is going to use and what you're going to do and all these different implications because he's, you know, five. Yeah. I mean, I think communication is very important between, mm-hmm. you know, the husband and wife, mother and dad. Um, but also um, with the kids, right? Especially because mm-hmm. I have younger kids, right? Nathan's uh, five and Christiane's not even one yet. But then Christian, you guys have three kind of a little bit older kids. Um, Susanna and Nathan are in the same grade. But it's it just ends up being, I think, this clear communication and expectation is very important. Um, as younger parents and newbie parents, Sarah and I didn't really recognize how much of an impact screen, like just the technology of a digital screen mm-hmm. had on kids and their um, brain and how it's wired because it was overstimulating. Mm-hmm. Uh, for us to look at a screen for 30 minutes and see some content like a you know cartoon or Wiggles, <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it, it's it's like okay cool we watch 20 minutes of it 30 minutes of it but for a younger child it could be way overly stimulating them and then you start to ask why are they behaving and acting out and all that stuff not realizing that we're we're actually making that happen because we're charging them with so much overstimulation that that they, they don't know what to do with themselves. Um, yeah. So I think there's got to be some sort of an expectation in each household of what's healthy. And I do think it is important for parents, in my opinion, to stay up to date on some of the concerns that we should have on some of the technologies that could pose a threat ethically to our children's lives, safety-wise to our children's lives, um, and also um, just neurologically, like that screen time and everything. I think as a parent, you must be constantly studying every time a new technology comes into a child's um an opportunity arises to affect children directly whether it's netflix or whether it's uh, Mm. tv or smartphones or whether it's social media platforms um you have to start talking about it with each other like okay what age would we give nathan uh, a smartphone what age would we allow him to have a social media account of any sort Um, i think those conversations if they're not being had uh, or if you're being driven by what other kids do, like, hey, my friends all get it at this age. Um, I think you're leaving too much to chance. I think you have to have those conversations with your husband and wife and with your children too, because I personally believe every child is different. That age isn't like a certain, hey, this age or that age. Um, Every child, you have to assess where your child is and, and what's healthy for him or her. So, Christian, any other thoughts on this? You, you have more yeah. years than me. <laughs> no, I, no, I 100% agree, Paul. I think, you know, screen time was kind of, just we were kind of at the precipice of like Hugo's 10 now right and that 10 about 10 years ago was when screen time and like YouTube kind of started up right mm-hmm. and the screen time became much more where 
parents, you know, are always looking for the thing to distract their kids, right? Yes. And so giving them, you know, an iPad when the, those first generation iPads came out is like, oh, here's a tablet, like watch something. Oh, brilliant. Yes. They're, they're quiet for two hours. You know, you can, <laughs> what, what can you accomplish, right? Yeah. But uh, any technology that's sort of like too good to be true kind of type of things. And I agree with you, Paul, it's like keeping pace with, okay, well, what kind of effects does this have and keeping an eye on your child and, and all these kinds of things. It's not any I mean, as much as we say it's, okay, technology is, you, you go down as evil, right, for yeah. children. I think it's similar, like, I, today I was talking to Heather about it. It's like, okay, you know, we don't give our kid unlimited candy, yeah, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's anything where it's like, okay, yeah, you can have a candy here and there and in moderation, right? Yeah. And, and you make those judgment calls based on your kid. Maybe he has, you know, diabetes or something, yeah. and then he can't have any candy, yeah. right? Because he's super sensitive yeah. to it. So I think every kid is different, and you also have to kind of know that this is too much of anything is going to be bad, mm. right? Yeah. And I think the content is bad. The You know, you have to kind of watch, okay, well, are they watching – you know, a documentary or something or something like, you know, somewhat educational yes, versus yeah. are they just watching random YouTube clips of people throwing balls through nets on the other side of the, <laughs> you know, the court. So <laughs> it's uh, it, it, that's also where, OK, is it actually helping? Is it not? Because we turn it around, right, and say, well, there's now a ton of educational material for kids. And especially with COVID, where they were all stuck mm-hmm. at home, they had to do stuff online. And I know from my personal experience with with my kids and some of the programs were really, really good. They really, really help. They, they can automatically adjust to the kid's level. So mm-hmm. if he gets questions wrong, they make it a bit easier. They make it a bit harder, mm-hmm. right, to challenge them. They, they keep them engaged with both audio and visual kind of cues. So the technology, I mean, has a lot of pros, but you have to watch it. You have to analyze it. You have to kind of keep an eye on it. And you can't just have it, oh, here's an iPad, and they go into their room, yeah. and you see them three hours later, right? And, yeah. and I've heard enough stories from you know, parents and things around it where even though they're diligent, even though that they know things, they, it, it will still happen. And so that's where... It's not enough to just put in restrictions for your for your kid to know like, okay, you can only watch screens for a half an hour, an hour, whatever you determine. It's also to understand why. I think we underestimate kids. I mean, kids these yeah. days, they're because they're exposed to so much more, they're growing up faster and faster. This mm-hmm. is just the reality of mm-hmm. it, right? And explaining to them a lot of times like this is bad. You know, this is why you're doing this. You know, now we had it with yeah. COVID. We yeah. said, wear a mask. You would yeah. never have gotten a mask on a kid, <laughs> but so many kids, you come out of school, they all are wearing their masks, right? It's like, I don't want to get the disease. I, so they can definitely understand and reason if you yes. give them, you know, mm-hmm. kind of clear guidelines and stuff. And then on the other side, you know, when they give in to their own desires, like, we are all sinners mm-hmm. and they give in and they are, don't have those less life lessons yet. That's where we have to step in as parents. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a job that has been given. It's a privilege, but God has said, um, these are his children that we steward on his behalf. Right. So then I think it's, it's, it's only logical for us to do our best. And that means, like you said, studying up on things if we can, and then also protecting when we need to, but also having the giving them the respect and dignity that they require to actually teach them and explain to them things that they are able to understand, right? Um, I think it, like a funny example of how amazing tech can be as a parent too, though, is um, when Heather was actually over at our place with Sarah and I, we invited you guys over. Um, she wanted to show us like a, um, a short video clip that she took on her phone with um, Hugo, their son, um, scoring a goal in a hockey game. 
I'm like, I, and then I just in that moment I realized, man, I scored some goals in, in my my days. I don't have any record of that, right? Because like we didn't have access to like easy video capture, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you brought like this giant rig and that was very expensive and inaccessible. You don't have like movies or clips of you doing some cool stuff. Your first steps like i don't have a video clip of my first steps but i have them for nathan and christiane uh she's starting to stand up a little bit more i'm waiting for that day where we have to capture that first step that she takes and it's actually a a pretty cool thing that we can do right we can share some really interesting moments of our lives so it it's a tool christian i think you said it well but like i think it's a tool if we use it well Mm -hmm. it's it's going to be really cool and it's helpful and it's going to be awesome but if we don't use it well, or if we allow it to use us instead or, or control us, I think that's when um, maybe we need more wisdom and discipline, right? Even with something as good as uh, some of these technologies that we have. Mm, so. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And since it is a tool, it's yet another thing that we can use for the glory of God, for the gospel, for ministering to people. So that kind of leads us in to another topic here is how can we use technology um, in all of its capabilities to further the gospel, to minister to people, to reach out to people. Um, and as I was kind of thinking of this, what popped into my head was just COVID, this life that we've been living for the past two years and how incredible technology has been, especially in the realm of communication, whether it's for Paul and I who work at the church and we're able to keep ministering and encouraging people that way, or just anybody talking to their family throughout COVID. Um, I really, you know, don't, even like to think about how differently it would have been if I couldn't FaceTime someone mm-hmm. when I needed help, FaceTime my counselor, like all these different things that we were able to do because of um, because of technology and communication. So that's kind of where my mind goes. But what about you guys? What do you think of when you think of this question? So so before we go to like the actual advantages or opportunities that yeah. technology presents, I wanted to read a quote from uh, a book that I read and I taught at our, at our church on a Zoom Bible study, like you said, <laughs> uh, during COVID. It was called, uh, the Bible study we, we taught was um, how to interpret the Bible, right? It, it was biblical um, interpretation. So this book is called Reading the Good Book Well, A Guide to Biblical Interpretation. And it's a, uh, the author's name is Jerry Camry Hoggett. And here's a funny illustration that he gives on what happens when you don't interpret the Bible well, right? He says, some 19th century theologians argue that Christians should not use subways because to do so would bring us closer to the underworld and in that way expose us to the workings of the devil. In the same way, some 20th century church leaders argue that Christians should not preach the gospel over the radio because radio waves were in the air and who was the devil but, or who was the, devil but the prince of the powers of the air? You get that in Ephesians chapter two, right? The prince of the power of the air and this is the devil. So uh, really, not, not as a joke, but seriously, some people in the 20th century believed we should not preach the gospel over the airwaves because that's the, the, that's the domain of the evil one. And, and that was like legitimately a thing that was debated and people argued about very seriously, right? Can we or can we not use the radio technology, this new kind of access that Christians have to share the gospel. Should we use it? Should we not use it? They sat down, they read the Bible, and they decided to interpret. Some said, okay, it's fine. Some said, no, it's not. And and they argued about it. But in today's world, I, I mean, we're doing a podcast right now, so whoever is listening wouldn't think <laughs> um, the opposite way. But we don't really ask those questions anymore. We mm-hmm. just now have accepted mainly that to preach over the radio, uh, preach over YouTube or Vimeo or even uh, podcasts like this would be totally awesome. 
and it would be a great opportunity. And I think this is why discernment and wisdom is so important in every generation. Every generation had advancement in technology. We're not the only ones, right? Um, and every generation had to decide what are some of the concerns that we need to think through carefully? Uh, what are the things that are opportunities that we can actually capitalize on and use for God's glory? And I think that's kind of where we are again, right? Um, there are lots of technologies that are kind of disposal and what can we use for God's glory and mission and what should we um, stay away from or what should we be concerned about when we use some of these technologies? So I think there are definitely lots of opportunities and we mm -hmm. need to discern them well. So Phil, do you want to kind of start us off with like, what's an opportunity that you thought of as, as we talk about all these advantages that technologies can bring us? I mean, I think, well, one thing I've always been fascinated about with technology is how it's, it's really become intertwined with culture. Mm. And I think to, to really um, be able to understand people and how to reach people, we really need to understand their culture. So I've, I've been, always been fascinated by um, like what is sort of in the pop culture right now. Like how can we understand that, understand what people are engaging with and then engage with them. And mm -hmm. then we can start to have conversations. We can start to build relationships. So, I mean, like personally, one of the, I've done youth ministry in the past yes. and I've always kind of tried to stay like I'm, I'm, I'm not super relevant. I'm not very cool, <laughs> but I try to stay like somewhat relevant with like what like students are into. Yeah. So like for, I'm probably, I think I'm probably the only person at this table who has a TikTok account. Um, but like, <laughs> true, <laughs> but true. like yeah. it's sim the simple thing about like knowing a TikTok trend yes. where you can do some one liner and some yeah. student like gets that it's a super funny joke. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that's a point where you can really connect. And yes. I think mm -hmm. just like learning to understand um, the ways in which people are using technology, the ways in which they're organizing their lives around can really be that starting point for relationships. Yeah. I mean, just before we started recording this, we we're talking about generations, right? Like millennials, yeah. Gen Z, and then now we have the Gen Alpha. Mm -hmm. um, and Gen Z and Gen Alpha guys are digital natives, right? Mm -hmm. They were born with um, smartphones being like kind of a normal part of their lives mm -hmm. and access to a computer level of um, like technology and information just in your in your hand mm -hmm. and so I think with that um, comes this this great opportunity for us to relate to a digitally native generation by using those communication channels like you said TikTok or I, I mean a few years ago that was Snapchat and mm -hmm. I never had either of them so I do feel I'm really <laughs> out of touch but at least I know of them <laughs> um, but I'm I'm starting to realize um, some youth ministry um, colleagues that we have, they'll, they'll go, yeah, if I text message him, he's not going to respond. But then if I do this, if I message him on this platform, mm -hmm. I know I'll get an answer within yeah. five minutes. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, we can say, well, this guy needs to pick up a phone because he needs to come to church. Well, um, if the only way I can get to him <laughs> is through this platform and there's nothing inherently wrong with the platform, I'm going to go and download that platform because what's important to me is to make sure this person's invited out to a coffee or a program or a service or whatever we do um, to share the gospel with them and to live the gospel among them, right? So I think you're right, Phil. There's a, a lot of ample opportunities, but then sometimes it takes us kind of going out of our comfort zone maybe mm -hmm, yeah. to take advantage of those mm -hmm. opportunities. Yeah, and I think that's like that open-mindedness, right, mm -hmm. of okay, like evaluate it, you know, be critical of like where you think these platforms are going, right? But, uh, you know, be engaged, right? Don't just 
dismiss it as oh this is a fad and this mm-hmm. is gonna go away yeah. because for to the teenager right who's coming to youth group it's their life right like it's yeah. it's 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 wholly important and as parents sometimes we dismiss these things oh you yeah, know he's just frivoling like around or you just like things but i think it's that's where you can make that connection and you can really speak to them as where things that they hold important you know that and to be interested in them, to ask questions about them, you know, even if you're, you know, naive about what those kind of things are, it's like they they're looking for that connection. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's it's interesting how like every every place is so different as to like how you would interact even with the culture just geographically. I remember mm-hmm. a number of years ago, I was at a youth leaders conference down in the States and they were talking about like, Oh, like when you like, if you became a youth pastor in a new area, like what's the first thing you would do? And this guy started talking. He's like, the first thing I would do is like go to the high school and ask them which youth group they go oh, to. Yes. And I was like, we live in very different cultures because yeah. that's just not a thing here. Like <laughs> you're not trying to take students from another youth group to yours. You're trying to just get them to any youth group. Yeah. Um, it's not like a regular part of our, our society anymore. Yeah. yeah. So it is, it is, it's a, our, our church. We want to be a missional church. And a part of that, actually one of the hashtag we used to use is engaging culture. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And technology sometimes could be, like we said, a tool that allows us to get that platform, get that um, opportunity to communicate with these people. Um, and I think Jesus does that to a certain extent. Um, I mean, we're talking technology, and maybe this is more linguistics, which I always love talking about. But um, in the Greek Bible that we have, the New Testament that was written in Greek, it wasn't written in classical Greek uh, or high Greek, if you will. Um, it was written in the commoner's Greek, right? The mm-hmm. Koine Greek. And and if you're starting a religion and you want to be kind of elite, maybe you would have gone for the classical Greek. But um, the, the very fact that our New Testament is written in the commoner's language, in the Koine Greek, I think it kind of communicates to us that Jesus was willing to stoop down, if you will, <laughs> um, to actually communicate in a way that people would understand. And that was important to him. And I think that was a part of um, the incarnation of Christ, him coming during the Christmas story, Jesus coming as, as a baby, living here on earth and doing ministry, his earthly ministry here. I think Jesus isn't saying, you got to earn your way up here and then I'll talk to you. He's saying, I love you so much that I'm going to go and I'm going to talk to you in a language that you understand. I'm going to go and give you, uh, reveal myself in the way that you can. And, and I think that love that drove him to come and pursue us um, could be emulated by us when we talk about technology. Are we willing to um, have that same drive because we love the people that God has created mm-hmm. so much that we would use whatever we can adapt and learn to communicate with them in a way that they understand? And if the digitally native uh, generation is saying this is a language that we speak. Technology is now a language that we speak, mm-hmm. um, just like Spanish, German, Korean, Chinese. Then, then maybe we'd be willing to learn language, just like missionaries were learn, willing to uh, and are currently willing to learn different languages and cultures to share the gospel in their context. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely, and it's just so interesting how, um, in the last two years, we've kind of been tested with that even church online and everything new all the different ways that we have had to learn and change and figure out you know like what is the newest and best way to get our full service online so the most amount of people can watch it and we can meet the most amount of needs um and so it is really cool after you know talking about all the the you know the challenging sides and the nefarious activity and all that how you know, it can be used as such an amazing tool to advance the gospel, to, you know, support mental health, all of these different yeah. important things. So 
Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, it is. And and we talked about this earlier. Like, I love technology that allows us to learn a lot. Like, Mary, you talked about this too, but like Skillshare, YouTube, um, Masterclass. Um, right now, media for the Christian context is awesome. Like, when mm-hmm. people say, I want to learn about early church history. Well, there's like lectures, like literally high-level lectures done by professors that you normally would have had to pay a lot of money to hear their lectures and go to their class. It's a lot of that is like freely given to you through these platforms. And I think it's awesome. Like Masterclass has like, oh, if you want to learn how to shoot a basketball, you can learn from Steph Curry, who is the best shooter of all time. Mm-hmm. And you can learn like outdoor uh, survival skills from this person who used to train um, the U.S. Marines or something like that. Like it's, it's just it's the amount of information that we have access to is ridiculous now, right? It's more than we've ever had in human history. People used to have libraries. Like people, like, I mean, Christian and I, I think, are old enough to, like, if we wanted to learn information about, like, hey, I wonder where a bear lives, like bear habitats. Well, we would think we would go ask our teacher or go to the library. Or that, that encyclopedia set that oh, you had. yes, yes, yes. I remember. Oh, man. Classic Just for the book. record, I did yes. go to the library. <laughs> <laughs> to have a coffee. <laughs> No, but you know what I mean, right? Like it's it's so much information just on a smartphone now, right? Uh-huh. And you can fact check like right on the spot. Um, if someone says, hey, no, bears don't live here. Uh, the other day, Nathan was like, penguins. Uh, someone asked, do you know where penguins live? Because he was saying that he's learning about penguins in school. And he was like, oh, yeah, Antarctica and South America and Africa. And I was like, Africa? Mm-hmm. And then the lady was like, yeah, yeah. I went to South Africa and saw penguins there. But mm-hmm. Nathan, and Nathan's like, look it up, daddy. That, that was literally his thing. And someone yeah. gave He's us, like, are you questioning me, Dad? Yeah, someone gave us a Christmas gift, uh, Google Nest, right? It's like, yeah. okay, Google, tell me where penguins live. And then boom, right? It says penguins live. Apologies to everyone whose Google just lit up and told them where <laughs> yeah. penguins live. Yes, yes. Uh, and, and it is interesting. We're living with that expectation. So, I mean, and then you have curated content. I wrote a whole paper on this mm. on YouTube. And, and, and depending on your searches, on how you've searched and all of the data that's been collected, um, Google curates what videos to suggest to you. Mm-hmm. If you go to my YouTube account, it's all about basketball highlights, videography, photography, like all my hobbies that are YouTube. Um, it'll suggest more videos related to it because they know that I would most likely be interested in it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's we're living in a world where there's so much information that everyone has access to. And now it's being kind of curated in a certain way with some people's interests, like you said earlier, Christian. Mm -hmm. So how do we set ourselves up, but our next generation up Mm. to succeed in this kind of a world where there's information overload, but then you need to discern the amount of the crazy amount of information that's available to you in your pocket, literally. Um, How do we help them discern through all of that and, and wisely go through that information to understand how do I interact with this information? How do I interact with that? Um, do you have any thoughts on this? Like how overwhelming this might be for, for a young person growing up in an age like this, where there's a lot of information and, and the culture's tendency is to say there's no definitive truth. Um, it's a lot of it well, is relative. I, I don't think it's just the younger generation. I mm-hmm. think it's everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's it's all the way from, and to be honest, I think the younger generation is even more equipped than 
most of yes. the, the older generations, yes. right? Who are, you know, they're seeing and, and maybe not keeping all of these kind of things in the back of their mind, right? Of saying, well, I, I found it on the internet or I saw this article that came to me and it looks very authentic. And yeah, how come and, you uh, didn't get this one? <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? And that I think is a huge, it's a huge, huge topic, right? Because who do we, there's, it all boils down to that uh, the question that I've been asked like, a couple of times is like, what is truth? Yes. Hmm. Right. What it like is that is what you're seeing there and being curated in front of you, the truth. And the scary part is that it's actually not a person. There's no nefarious kind yeah. of person there pointing these to you. It's algorithms, algorithms yeah. behind the scenes. Right. Yes, they were programmed by people. But at the end of the day, they have so much data that's coming at them. And they're using the newer things of, you know, artificial intelligence yeah. and machine learning and all these kind of things that are making these algorithms even smarter and more likely to predict things that you actually like yes. with very complicated math in the background yeah. that is very, you know, has probability models and stuff and behind it, right? So it is a it's a huge question, right? I I I always remember back, you know, now, okay, twenty years ago, you watched episodes sort of of like sci-fi, like Outer Limits and stuff, yeah. and they would have, you know, people who were thought of thinking about this, like we live in a society, you know, and I remember it's like you have access to instant information, right? So you constantly rely. You don't have to remember phone numbers anymore, no. right? If you if you lose your phone, you don't know who to call. You know yeah. what's 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 your you know your your parents' number and stuff. So mm -hmm. this this reliance on the information is one dimension, and then the other dimension is yeah, like how are we going to curate it? And the only thing I mean, we're not really talking solutions here, right? But it's I think the community aspect of where yeah. you still have people in community where you're kind of critically thinking through some of these things, mm -hmm. um, looking at different dimensions to that, to that, trusting people that yeah. you know, right, versus what's on the internet. Yeah. I mean, I always, I, I, my biggest line was 20 years ago, people said, oh, you found something on the internet. Aha, that's a joke. You know, yeah. it's like, I don't believe what it was on the internet. Anyone can put anything on the internet. Yeah. And now we use it almost verbatim. Like yeah. we use it like as the definitive yeah. source of information. Yeah. So that shift for me is kind of the scariest part yeah. of it. Yeah, and you're right. We, we can't talk about solutions in this short podcast and, and that's not the point. But yeah, like you said, group learning, I think is in, in, so important, right? Community. And I think that's there's a biblical sense. I, I was just reading, um, uh, uh, Mary's in a program called Immerse and I'm one of her mentors. And literally before we started this, I was reading one of her papers and she's talking about the importance of community for leadership, leaders to have a community around them. And I think group learning and community is going to be so important in this age. And also one of the greatest skill sets that I think a person can learn right now mm -hmm. is to be a great librarian. I know many people don't get so excited about it. I'm going to grow up and be the best librarian in the world. But honestly, there's so much information out there. I remember the best librarians that I had, whether it was at school or like the Vancouver Public Library, are, are the people who know where to look, right? What's reliable, what's not where to go to find information about a certain field, who to talk to, um, which source, which people, which scholars would be the most reputable in the area, who's trustworthy, and what kind of research ethics were involved. Like a, a great librarian would be passionate about that, right? Mm -hmm. the, the ethics, the practicality of research and all of that. So I think as a younger generation and us too, you're right, Christian, it's all of us, I think if you were to try to equip your children with one skill, like obviously we want a very rounded person more than with one skill, but I think you have to include the skill of a librarian. Hmm. In this age of information overload and curated content, 
if you don't know how to navigate through them, then I don't know how you're setting them up for success. And this is also biblically too, right? There's great resources like the Bible Project. I love their interactive technology they use mm-hmm. to illuminate the truth of the Bible and the historical context and all of that stuff. But um, I'm training myself constantly to be able to say, okay, I have to have a critical perspective as well on these platforms. When I see videos on Right Now Media, how am I trained to sort through which uh, which sources are really biblical and which sources I would be skeptical about? And when they state a, a statement, how do I go about, do, am I trained enough to go and fact check in a real way, not just asking, okay, Google, right? Um, can I actually train myself to be able to discern information? And I think you don't need to come up with a lot of information anymore. Um, perhaps, but maybe even discerning the amount of information will help you go a long, long way. And I think that's uh, a very important skill set for Christians to have as well. Because here, I just wanted to read a, a, a scripture, since we are a Christ-following community here <laughs> at this podcast. Um, one of the favorite passages for most missionaries is 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Okay, this is Paul writing a letter to the church in Corinth. In verse 19, this is what Paul says. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. That's like the craziest tongue twister ever. And then he says, to those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. The whole point is, he's willing to go to places to pursue these people, Mm -hmm. right? He's not going to just stand passively. And he says, to the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share, I might share with them in its blessings. So this whole missional focus and intent that Paul has is so amazing to me because this is how he would have interpreted technology, in my opinion, today. If he was faced with the 21st century challenges and opportunities through these technologies, I feel like he would have used this mentality. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. So if I'm to bring the truth of Jesus Christ and the salvation that he brings, the good news to this world, he would discern the the opportunities of technology through that lens Mm -hmm. and also the concerns of technology through this lens. And I think... If we were to couple this idea of um, becoming great librarians equipped with the truth of God, the foundations of God's truth and God's word, I think it'll really help us to navigate through this massive information overload age that we live in and our Mm -hmm. kids will continue to live in. Um, And without equipping them to do that, I think it'll be very difficult for them to um, really navigate through life well. Um, I, I think it'll be challenging without having that foundational truth piece that they can be anchored with. So... I think as well, though, in Paul's, if you read through the thing, through that passage now, right, that is obviously the very connected to what we're saying here today, that stands also out for me is his attitude at that when he's acting in those stages, right? Mm-hmm. He, for me, it speaks to his humbleness yes. in each one of those situations, because yes, you can become a really good fact checker and you can, you can, but where I've seen that kind of backfire on people mm. is that they become emboldened to saying that I researched this, I looked uh, it yes. up and I'm right, yes. you know, and you're wrong. And those barriers that people build around them, yes. 
when they've like felt empowered by the information that they've gathered, yeah. I think that's a that's also a huge stumbling block, yes. mm-hmm. right? Yes. I think Paul in those passages, he became like that to show humbleness, to yes. say it's like I'm willing to listen to people who are different than me. I'm willing to kind of be in that situation with those people together right and that that selflessness that he that he displays inside of the passage i think is a, is a huge element to that because there's so easy for for us now to kind of become really concrete in our opinions right and and feel like okay we have enough things to be to be right and and not ask questions right i think that paul would also have asked questions and critical questions and had those discussions right be it constructive it's as we've gone through the sermons now right yeah. we've he spent those three years in ephesus like trying to to question and discuss and reason with the other uh with the the people with the jews with the gentiles to go through it. and he spent and put the effort in there right and i think that's part of part of that what paul is trying to get to yeah absolutely and i think really well said because he starts with verse 19 let me read it again right like for though i am free from all i've made myself a servant to all right mm-hmm. and that's the mentality right and, and in philippians too right we've been really trying to focus on it during the pandemic especially mm-hmm. count others more yeah. significant than yourself and this is how christ did it right he he went he lowered himself to the point of death even mm-hmm. death on a cross so the way in which we use the the opportunities we have, whether it's wealth or even our health, or whether it's our intellect, whether it's our opportunities to use technology, all of this, it's got to be used to serve others, to love others as Christ has loved us and served us with his might and power, right? So the more powerful that we can be because God has gifted us with whatever advantages we have or opportunities we have, um, to try to use that to serve people, to serve God, and to love people with it selflessly, I think would be the most powerful kind of premise that we need. Um, and, and that's what we try to do here at our church at SDBC and hopefully at churches all across the world. We're trying to train our hearts and minds to have that mentality and, and that posture and then, and then fully engage, like Phil said earlier, fully engage and utilize mm-hmm. the opportunities just as Paul did passionately to share the gospel of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I think, I hope there's lots to think about here and for the listeners that there was lots to talk, uh, think about and maybe talk about amongst their own groups now, their own communities about how they're using technology, what concerns they might have, but also what opportunities. And then that, that simple but truthful um, posture of love and humility that we also ha- ought to have. Um, so hopefully this was all thought provoking and maybe um, you would like to continue this conversation with your own small groups, but I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. Thanks so much for joining us, Christian. And thank you, Phil, as well. Um, we'll hope to have you guys on our podcast again. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm.